Shara podcast. My name is Hansa Devi, and I am your host. We started this podcast, and we're holding space on this platform for conversations about the sacred, the raw, and the real. We talk to people who walk their talk, and we investigate the many questions that come up as we dive deeper within. No matter what our individual path may be, or our practices may be, or the tradition or lineage that we have backing us on this journey, the underlying themes of exploration are often the same. And by talking to inspirational people and sharing reflections on topics related to being on a spiritual path, we hope to inspire your journey, provide tools, provide food for thought, and we hope to nurture your contemplation and deepen inquiry. Today we have the privilege of speaking with Annie Pace. Annie Pace is maybe most known in the Ashtanga Yoga lineage for having gone to Mysore, India to study with her Guruji, Sri K. Patabi Joy, since 1989. Altogether, she has over 40 years of experience of yoga and she has adopted a very intentional lifestyle. Um, what I love about Annie is that she's so true to lineage and she is holding her rituals and routines very strong and it's cultivated a sense of of purity and peace at her land in her shala her presence is that and why I wanted to talk to her right now is because that in these times of covid both her and I have been approached by so many people that are finding themselves distressed there is so much uncertainty so many challenges from every direction and we're really pushed off our center. It's hard to feel balanced when there is anxiety and depression and all of these waves of strong emotions. So our conversation today is not limited to people on a yogic path by any means. Practice or no practice doesn't matter. What we're talking about is how one can apply certain lifestyle choices to bring in more of what's called a sattvic energy or more conscious energy and so that you can bring yourself out of these spells of heavier, darker energy. And not saying that the darker energies doesn't serve a purpose, they certainly do, but what are some of the choices we can make to increase our level of awareness and also take more responsibility for our physical and mental well-being? And um, Annie is one of my dear ones. She is a, an amazing mentor and friend and teacher and I just wanted to introduce you to her. One, because she has a lot of wisdom to share, but also because if you wanted a guide, she can be there for you. She is just a phone call away. And um, I just wanted to bridge the gap, I guess, with the contemporary yoga world and someone like Annie who has had a steady practice for such a long time. So here we go. Here's a moment with Annie Pace. All right, Miss Annie Pace. Um, we are here to today address the topic of a sattvic life, a conscious life, and what that can entail, what that looks like. And Annie is for me one of uh, the role models when it comes to living a sattvic life. Stepping onto her property, 
there is just this tangible feeling of peace and calm and purity stepping into her home same thing you are literally transformed into this you're thrown into a time warp where you just feel that time doesn't even exist and there's this sense this quality of tremendous peace actually i don't know a better word for it and annie here has spent a long long time diving into um, the gunas and their meaning their emphasis in life and i think that's what makes annie outstanding and the feeling the sense the qualities around shakti sharanam it's a very unique place and holds a very dear spot in my heart of course and i wanted to pick Annie's brain on what we as lay people, householders, what we can apply in our own lives to feel the same type of peace, to cultivate the same type of qualities in and around our homes, in and around our bodies, in our minds, and spiritually as well. And it's a big, big topic. We can spend hours talking about it. Um, but I just want to open the conversation and who knows, we might spin off on this again. But I would like to invite Annie to share her wisdom on the topic of the gunas and a sattvic conscious life. Welcome. Thank you for Thank being you. with me. <laughs> Thank you. And as grandfather used to say, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We are here and it, it's when we are as well in very interesting times. Um, I think I'd like to, to back up. I'm not sure who my audience is mm -hmm. as we're doing this. And um, my background in the language that I used is based on yoga, yoga theory, yoga practice, um, Ashtanga yoga in particular. And there's certain words that we use, like what you just said. Mm -hmm. Oh, the gunas. Mm -hmm. Well, do these, I don't know who is listening to this. Do they know what the gunas are? Do they know what this sattva word is? So I'm making no assumptions, but I would like to preface what I'm saying with putting perspective on this, that all of the theories and principles and fancy Sanskrit words that we use or that I might use in the next few minutes of time are not exclusive to yoga practitioners or yoga in general. Um, so I think I would like to begin this conversation with what ties us all together as human beings. Jai, perfect. I love it. Whatever, you know, your spiritual path or non-path is, the fact is we are all in human body mm -hmm. and we're living in interesting times. So if we were to put the yogic spin on this, what is yoga? Mm -hmm. Yoga translates as union, specifically union of humanity with divinity or union of that which is temporary. We in these little vehicles that we're wearing for a hundred years, um, uniting with something that is eternal. And most significantly, we human beings who are under the influence of so many things um, uniting with that source energy which is not under the influence of anything 
when that union, when that remembering our true eternal nature happens, there is a state of bliss beyond what can be explained. So the baby steps towards that big grand, the grand mush, the grand, <laughs> grand bliss, um, would be something commonly known as happiness or joy. Mm -hmm. So what human being does not want to experience happiness? Don't we all want to be happy? Mm -hmm. Isn't that why we sometimes act like we're bound and determined to be miserable is because we're not happy and that's what we're craving. Mm -hmm. So no matter what your path is or your language is, that is something that is unique to human beings is that we all have this inner desire for happiness and peace. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that ties us together is we all are under the influence of the world that we live in, the air that we breathe, the food that we eat, the five elements around us. We're under the influence of our personal karma, mm -hmm. our collective karma, which is playing out so radically right now. <laughs> Indeed. Is there any other? It's radical. It's yeah. radical. But why not? Like, let's do it. Let's move through this stuff mm -hmm. because we are under the influence as long as we're in human body. Yeah. So I'm going to throw in one of my primary teachings. When I work with people of different demographics and experience levels and not everyone likes the God word. Mm -hmm. Not everyone likes, oh, spirit, oh, kundalini, oh, chi, oh, this, oh, that, whatever that is. I would call that energy that which is not under the influence. Mm -hmm. So my little acronym for that is Twinuti, that which is not under the influence, if you like spell it out. So that's an anti-pacism. <laughs> <laughs> see, that, I was that, hoping see, to get some see, of those. See, that did not come from the Vedas. It did not come from the yoga sutras of Patanjali. What that came from was a distillation of listening to this theory, being immersed in these teachings for many, many years, and then being called upon to translate them to the common person. Yeah who does not have yogic training or philosophy training or often doesn't even care. Yeah. Um, much of that has come from teaching the Crestone Charter School middle schoolers. Yeah. Well, it's you about know? being conscious, right? Not necessarily on the yogic path. Right. Yeah. Right. So these things apply to everyone. Mm -hmm. So the, the terms that we will use in the next bit are yogic terms. They're Sanskrit words that carry very deep meaning. And I'll do my best to expound upon that and, and make that clear. But yeah, isn't, isn't, isn't this why, Hansa, you and I are doing what we're doing right now? Yeah. Because people want to be happy. People deserve to be happy. And happiness, joy, bliss, union, remembering our divine essence is indeed the birthright of every human being. Hmm. It is not reserved 
for the saints and the sages and the dudes in orange and the, you know, <laughs> it, it's just not. And the, those people that are put on the pedestals, mm-hmm. it's like, no, this is common to all of us. And I think that's key in the, in the teachings and in how we live our life is that we are all human beings mm-hmm. and we all deserve to be treated with love and respect. Mm-hmm. And all of us are craving for something that we don't have. Yeah, and especially oh. now in this time, too, when people feel off-centered or they lost their grounds or everything is being challenged on every level. And now these teachings, the essence of what we're about to talk about today is really what can get people back on track and to balance. And it is, and sometimes just having, being able to frame it. Yes, totally. Look, this is what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> So that we don't get caught up in our own personal stuff so much, but look at what's going on collectively and what does tie us together. Yeah. Is that making sense? Yes, absolutely. So this idea of that which is not under the influence, remembering our divine essence, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, This will happen and it will bring extreme joy, bliss, and balance only if our human system is ready for it if we have prepared the ground and set it up so that this can be a very sweet ripening process yeah because it is a process yeah there's no magic wand and no quick fix there is no quick fix so from yogic science perspective the way to experience happiness is to allow the mind to be still. Now, we don't have a switch. That's a leap for a lot of people. Right? It's like, <laughs> if the mind would just shut the F up, mm-hmm. all kinds of cool things can happen. But how often does that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, so that can be one practice to start with is to just watch the mind. Yeah. You know, watch where it goes because it's crazy. It's out of control. Yeah. You know, it's like taming a wild monkey, they say. Yep. So um, it's a taming process of our human system. And because our mind didn't come equipped with a switch to turn it on and off, there are practices that we do. And these practices and techniques, ways of living, are based on the theory of how energy moves. Hmm. So in basic yogic science, energy moves three ways. It can move down, up, and out horizontally. Mm -hmm. These directions of energy are associated with what you mentioned, Hans, with these three gunas. Mm -hmm. So it's not rocket science to figure out that if someone is having an uplifting experience, (laughs) the energy is probably flowing upward in their body, in their human system, Mm -hmm. right? In the system of subtle energy channels and the gross body and the structure of how we hold ourselves uplifted, Mm -hmm. living with an open heart, Mm -hmm. wearing your heart high. Yeah. With your feet on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) simple things but so profound right so profound that are life-changing yes so i'm gonna if it's okay spend just a minute on these three energies please do and then we can expound upon the one which will be helpful in our journey in our life 
Please. Yes? Yes. Is this good? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Get me going. Line, line <laughs> so, her up. <laughs> so what are the what are the gunas? Why are we so talking the, about three? Why are we talking about three? So if you look at the biggest umbrella of existence in yogic science, there are three ingredients that are required for anything to have form, for anything to exist. These are the three gunas. The three gunas have different qualities, but all three must be there. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you are doing chemistry or you know, H2O. If you don't have H and 2 and O in that combination, you're not going to have water. Mm. Right? If, you're not, if you don't have tamas, sattva, and rajas, you're not going to have anything that exists. Mm-hmm. So these are energies flowing, the energies of existence. Mm-hmm. The first one that I'll talk about is called tamas, also sometimes called the tamo, the tamo guno. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is what we're immersed in right now in the world is this downward flow of energy and the qualities of Thomas are dark and heavy and its color is black and in excess it can create inertia. It can also create confusion and chaos. Mm-hmm. When in the appropriate amount, at the appropriate time, mm-hmm. This energy is very helpful when we want to clear out our closet or make space in our life and get rid of things that aren't serving us anymore. This energy is very helpful if we want to be able to sleep at night and experience darkness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So first in this cycle, if you will, and how we refer to the gunas, it's like first, let's make space, let's get rid of, let's be the protectress, the warrioress, like Durga, making space, clearing out. And if that energy gets to be too much, we can get in trouble, mm-hmm. which is kind of where we're at right now in time. Yeah, but so, naturally, it's, yeah. it's not yeah. to push away or suppress necessarily. No, no. Yeah. It's, it's when we are, yeah. is when we are. This is a time of that dark energy. Yep. So that is always there to some extent. Once space is made and we've cleared out, right? It would help us to fill up with something good, beneficial, pure, uplifting energy. And this is what's called sattva. And those qualities are always there with sattva. Uplifting, pure, bright, light, color is white. All the uplifting, pure things. When you have that (gasps) aha experience, that would indicate that there is a predominance of sattva in the human system. Mm -hmm. So most significantly in yoga practice or in any aspiration to achieve that final happiness that comes along with the still mind, it is essential that there is a predominance of this sattvic energy in our human system. Mm-hmm. So you want to tip the scale, yeah. right? If our intention is to be peaceful, to have a calm mind, and to have happiness. Mm-hmm. If our intention is not that, we don't care. Yeah. Right? Sure. sure. If your yeah. intention is something else, well, never mind. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but it is the medicine for a lot it of It is medicine. It's better. medicine even if we don't realize it. Exactly. Okay, so those are some of the qualities of sattva, and we'll talk more about that. And then the third guna is called rajas, 
And this is the fiery red extroverted energy mm -hmm. where in excess, right, can be too overheating, too stimulating, mm -hmm. right? But in the right amount, it can be inspiring. It's the energy, it's what we're doing right now. You and I are having an extroverted conversation. Yeah. Neither one of us is sitting in silence in our cave. Yeah. <laughs> it's an exchange. There's an energy. exchange of energy and yeah. it's moving horizontally, it's moving back and forth. So this is good, it's inspiring, it's necessary mm -hmm. for communication, for education, for music and all of the arts. Mm -hmm. So you put these three gunas together, what do you get? You get existence, mm -hmm. you get life, Yeah. right? And this applies to sentient and in, insentient beings. These qualities apply to anything, the yep. bamboo, the wood, the plaster, any of that. So um, these are the ingredients of existence and those are their qualities. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you for putting that foundation Well, you kind of have to define yeah. what, it, what it is to yeah. frame it. Yeah, absolutely. So right now, I would say that there is a huge predominance of the tamasic energy, this heaviness, this darkness, this fear, mm. right? And along with that comes ignorance. Yeah. You know, these are some of the obstacles in our path, the kleshas, mm -hmm. you know, not knowing, not understanding and being afraid of the unknown. Yeah, the, the fear and the anxiety, the depression, it's so prevalent right now. And it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. And you know what? We all got it. We've all got it to some extent. Mm. We're born into life with something called abhinivesha, which is the fear of death, mm -hmm. which is the root fear of everything. Yeah. You know, fear of the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. We are not in control. Mm -hmm. So here comes the surrender, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, we're not in control. So it's hard not to be affected by the world around us, by the other human beings on the planet, by the feelings of fear and heaviness and depression coming on and this kind of hopelessness mm -hmm. that we're experiencing on a very large scale. Yeah. You know, this isn't a little thing. Everyone's being affected by this. So I, I believe the reason that we're having this conversation today is to, <laughs> to discuss some ways and explore ideas. How do we pull out of that? Exactly. How do we pull out of that heaviness and that darkness? Mm -hmm. You know, and so there are many, many ways to do that. But in, again, framing it in yogic science, if we can cultivate more of the sattvic energy, in our system, in our life, in our communities, we will naturally rise above the quicksand muck that is all around us. Yeah. It will naturally happen. And there is not a magic wand. Mm. There's not, not one thing you just do and then, oh, thing, okay, I pulled out of it, I'm good now. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not, it's a process. And it's a lifestyle. So working in little bits here and there. I'm a very, very firm believer in the 1% theory or the one grain of sand. One grain of sand to tip the scale. Yeah. 1% to, to have something move a different direction. Mm -hmm. So that one need not feel like they need to overhaul their complete life and change everything they're doing, but there's so many little things we can do. Yeah to bring in more of this light energy. 
And often it's just a shift in awareness. Yeah. Even just being able to step back and frame this. Yeah. When are we in time? We're in Kali Yuga. Mm. In Kali Yuga, Thomas energy is raging. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when we are. Yeah. So here we are in this sea of Thomas, mm-hmm. right? But we still got tools and we still have options and mm-hmm. we do have choices. You know, we are in, in control for yeah. the control, inner control freak. We are in control of some, some things like what we put in our mouth, yeah. you know, <laughs> where we live and, and who we hang out with. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's certainly choices to be made. So, again, in yogic terms, we've got these three energies, these three gunas going on um, to pull ourselves out of the darkness. We want to create more light. Yep. How can we do that? Is that kind of where we're at? Yeah, yeah. I, I think if we, we have that frame of reference that the peaceful mind is where we all want to be, and then how can we, on, on a physical level, uh, maybe that's where we should start in our day-to-day, what can we do? Um, little steps and a lot of these things are obviously free and available access to all so why not apply them and here we are to learn from yeah, you who like, have it in place you have systems in place yeah, for this like, like why not yeah totally <laughs> okay so the result of some of these practices can sneak up on people unsuspectingly <laughs> they might not start out with an intention uh-huh right yeah. but if they're following the right practices all of a sudden all this cool stuff starts to happen mm-hmm you know, so for me, in this place is a good example of that. Here at Shakti Sharanam, um, I had the opportunity to design this place from the ground up. Yeah. And the intention of building on the physical plane was to create an environment that would easily support sattvic energy mm-hmm. and exemplify sattvic lifestyle. Yeah. So I was very privileged to have the opportunity to do this. It wasn't easy and it's not paid for, but the intention was very clear. Mm-hmm. So there were many decisions that I needed to make on the material plane, mm. you know, building materials, all that kind of stuff. So I was very much caught up in the material world during the building process. For a good reason. Right. So, so the reason was that it would be a setup mm-hmm. so that we as a community could be prepared for whatever comes next that me as an individual could be prepared and have a vessel to have a space for people to come mm-hmm. to have positive experience and growth yeah you know they say build it they will come well you, you build it and you see you see what happens and so i didn't have a big master plan of exactly how I was going to do that, but I knew I needed to create the space. Yeah. And then having that intention, the rest kind of came along. Yeah, and the space for the people that haven't been here is just absolutely amazing. I mean, my practice this morning, I came, the first thing I said to you was I, I felt like I was weightless. And that is because it's, it's marinated in your both your presence but all the intention for years. For years. Yeah. And we've been 13, 14 years here now. Yeah right, with um, being used only for these sorts of practices. Mm -hmm. So there's not anything else that goes on here. So it becomes a bit infused. So 
Um, if one had a formal yoga practice, mm-hmm. right? In Ashtanga yoga, we have certain techniques that we use. In other lineages of yoga, maybe there's some different techniques. Mm-hmm. But the techniques that we use with our breath and our looking place and our core energy, how we link poses together, all those technique sort of things work on the subtle energy channels in the human body to open them up so that more of that sattvic energy comes in. Mm-hmm. And this is why uh, yogic practices work mm-hmm. if they are authentic. Yeah. You know, now we have all kinds of flavors and made up stuff of yoga. But if you go back to the original yoga mm-hmm. and the big picture of that union with the divine, with that source energy, mm-hmm. the, the happiness that comes along with that, um, any authentic path will work. Yeah. Whether it's in yoga or Buddhism or whatever other spiritual, you know, group practice that's out there, if it is authentic, it will work. Yeah. If it is not authentic, it's likely that there will be confusion. Yeah. Almost certainly there will be confusion. Mm-hmm. Right. And and sometimes along with that actually comes damage. So above all, let's do damage control. <laughs> Stick with a program yeah. that is authentic and, and true to its roots. Yeah. So in that process, we're clearing the channels, taming the system, and all of a sudden we start feeling better. And maybe it's for five minutes a day. Yeah. But if that five minutes happens every single day, we're building something in. Yeah. Right? There's a consistency to it. Yeah. So none of these things need to be superhuman or extraordinary. But taking five or 10 minutes every day of conscious breathing, conscious attention, right? Doing some techniques that are going to be helpful bit by bit, that will actually tame our system Mm -hmm. and our mind will become still. All it requires is showing up. Yeah. Right? You show up, you breathe. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. So there's both that kind of segment of formal yogic techniques. Mm -hmm. And let's say someone is doing these formal yogic techniques and they're doing their asana and their pranayama and all this fancy stuff. But then when they leave their practice space, they're going out and doing things that are dragging them down. Yeah. And that's often unknowingly. Yeah. Because nobody told them. Mm -hmm. Totally. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Then you're swimming upstream all the time. Yeah. So adding the lifestyle kind of stuff can enhance one's yogic formal yoga practice. Mm-hmm. One's formal yoga practice ultimately will inform one's life decisions and mm-hmm. how we do our day. For sure. You know, it's just a natural occurrence. Yeah. This happens. Like I said, just like a fruit ripening. Yeah. You set it up, follow a program, have consistency, and stuff is going to work. Yeah. So it's, um, a lot of us are being caught off balance right now or being, you know, have extra stuff put upon us where it's even more important to be grounded yes to have our feet in the ground yeah and be there for whatever comes next right have have a calm mind be able to make um some sense of things yeah right and and spread that calmness totally which will will move into happiness and even if one doesn't have a yoga practice per se, and we don't have a spiritual practice at all, if you still apply the lifestyle tools of this conscious way of living, it will still provide a, um, a more life quality. 
Absolutely. and well-being and Absolutely. inner peace. You don't have to be a practitioner necessarily. And that's no. another thing to bring into the conversation or just highlight, I guess. That for the people that are atheists or whatever, it's more yeah, about being absolutely. present and conscious and being make conscious those choices. about what you're doing, breathing consciously, walking on the planet consciously. Yeah. Be conscious of what we put in our mouths. What do we eat as food? Why don't we go there? They say you are what you eat. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do you mind going so, there? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So think about it. Yeah. Right. And, and also one of the things I'll, I'll mention that has been up more recently Sometimes we don't think twice about eating what they call outside food, going out to eat. Oh, yeah. Eating something that someone else cooked that you don't know who they are or where it came from or where the ingredients came from that can become a habit in the Western world. And people are becoming more conscious of what they're eating and doing their own cooking now that people can't go out so much. Yeah, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. People are growing their own food. They're starting gardens for the first time. Yeah. So that's one brilliant place to start is what are we eating? Can yeah. we grow some of our own food? Yeah. Can we consume maybe a 51% sattvic diet? Yeah. Right. And in that sattvic world would be ghee, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pure cow dairy, mm-hmm. right? Milk, ghee, pure grains, fruits, vegetables, mostly. I was going to say vegetables is a big key. Yeah, mostly. And, you know, there, there are specifics about that. I don't know how you, what specific you want to get today. But there's a lot about that. But first mm-hmm. is you, you, you be conscious of what you put in your mouth. Well, let's actually talk about what's common in, in the Western world today. We have garlic and onion are said to be tamasic. And we're talking about and shifting. Uh, and rajasic, of course, yeah. And so basically if we want to swip swap or turn the switch like you were saying to sattvic food we would eliminate that from the diet are there other things like that that we should be aware of there, i mean i know yeah, there are there are many things but yeah. highlighting yeah onion garlic yeah unknowingly are going to create more tamasic and rajasic energy in our body in our human system they're mm-hmm. going to disturb the mind yeah even though we might not be aware of it right away so that's a big one the other thing is leftover food going Even to food that. that was really pure and beautiful you made it fresh everything all the right ingredients and you made too much you put it in the refrigerator overnight and you take it out and you eat it the next day it has not only lost its good sattvic qualities but it turns more and more to masic. so this habit of just putting i'll just put it in the fridge mm-hmm. you know leftover pizza whatever it is mm-hmm. um it's not live food anymore. I was going to say, it's the prana within it that's not as yeah. vital. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it actually transforms, not just not as vital, but actually brings us down. Okay. Okay. So in that tamasic category, kind of that downer category also would be meat, alcohol, pot to some extent, the leftover food, I mean, garlic, mushrooms, to some extent, many, many things are there. Those are, those are the primary ones. Now, caffeine? Caffeine would be in the rajasic category. Oh, that makes more sense. Okay. So in the rajasic, fiery category, that would be the stimulant category. Yeah. Okay. The uppers. Caffeine, stimulants, too many spices, like that. Mm. It's not to say, don't have your cup of tea, Hansa. I mean, <laughs> you know, but in excess. Yeah. Right. These are things that will, over time, really spin us out. Yeah. 
So just slowly, slowly. So what do you do? And, and am I saying that garlic, onion, and alcohol and pot are evil? If you're saying that? Yeah, no, I think moderation is the key word here, right? Well, mo- moderation is one key word. The other key word is appropriateness. Yeah, exactly. You know, that many of these articles are meant to be used as medicine. Mm. Garlic is an amazing medicine. Yeah. And we don't need to go on and on about that. But if it's used every day out of habit, then it loses its medicinal qualities. I'm glad you bring that up because that is a very important topic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like nothing is really evil. It's just yeah. how are we using it? What's our intention? Is this appropriate? At this time, yeah. Yeah, but like nobody told us. Yeah. It's like, so how do you deal with that? How do you all of a sudden have this Brahmin diet? You know, that's not going to happen for most people. And you're not going to be happy eating that way either. No, you're going to make yourself choice. crazy. So yeah. whatever it is, and, and probably anyone listening to this has, has gone through some experience of trying to quit something. Yep. <laughs> trying to quit smoking or trying to quit coffee or trying, you know, whatever it is. Well, fine. Give yourself a substitute or just cut back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tip the scale. 1%, yeah. 1 grain of sand, a little here, a little there. I like that. That's very forgiving and it makes it accessible. And then people can build on that when they have the confidence that I can change my behavior. Yeah, in little ways. And yeah. it, it certainly adds up. One of the biggest things, um, I do these cooking classes and people are horrified when Oh, onion garlic. You're not going to use onion or garlic. No, no, not. So use ginger instead. Yeah. No, ginger is, is heating, it's warming, but it's nourishing, yeah. right? It, it carries a lot of stuff through the system. It's going to satisfy that craving for that little bit of spice. Yeah. Sugar is another thing. Is that more rajastic than tamasic? Uh, sugar, yeah. If it's refined, but yeah. not to, but sweet foods are sattvic. See, this is yeah, it's interesting. It's, um, a, it's a big science, and I don't yeah. know how much detail we want to get into no, today. I think it's, yeah, make but people aware. sweet foods are foods that are inherently sweet. Carrots mm. are sweet. Wheat is sweet. Rice is sweet. Yeah, sweet foods are there. Most fruits are sweet. Yeah, without having to be refined white sugar. Exactly. And they're natural. So those are the things that are going to calm our system. Yeah. There's a whole science to that. I mean, I can't. No, I know. And I'm not asking you to go into that whole, I mean, that could be a one hour conversation, just that, but it's good to get a little bit of a little bit here, a little bit there. Exactly. And, And here's the thing. What do you do if you're not sure? I personally, I muscle test. Or I like really listen in, like mm-hmm. I try to listen to, and it might be a co- totally different response than I was expecting. Um, but yeah, what do you do? Well, with any of these practices, whether it's the food, the yogic techniques, mm-hmm. you know, anything that we're doing in lifestyle moving forward. And this is where it, it's largely lacking in the Western world is you ask the question, you have a guide. Yeah. You have someone mm-hmm. that you can go to, to bounce things off of, mm-hmm. right? To ask questions, yep. to check in with. Sometimes just in the act of articulating the question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. It's like me there, calling you. There you go. It's like, it's right there. We just need to articulate it. Yep. And, and, so, and that requires kind of the self-admission of, 
oh my God, there's something I don't know the answer to. Yeah, well, obviously it's there. We just got to trust right. our intuition and we're not and, used and to that. And go to a human guide as opposed to the internet. Because if yeah. you go to the internet, you'll find any answer you want if you look long enough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, so many choices are there. So having a guide, also hanging out with like-minded individuals and having sangha, yeah. having a support system. Yeah. People who choose the same way, people who have the same values in their life. Yeah. You know, and we can do that. And right now, it's so prevalent. Like, that group of the holding is just so important. The support just seems like people are craving so much. They are. And as I was saying to you earlier, Hansa, you know, it's like this very revealing process of who's got your back? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and we need to strengthen those connections and maintain them and be talking to each other. Yeah. And asking the questions and bouncing things off of each other. Yeah, we're definitely not in it alone. And I feel like this has created a lot of sense of isolation for people and alienation. And, and then the step becomes even bigger to take that leap to ask someone. Exactly. So exactly. So we need, we need to be diligent. We need to keep on it. Yeah. You know, and keep on our, our own game. Yeah. So the whole food thing, yeah, we could go on for days and, and years <laughs> about that, but not just what we eat, but when we eat it. Perfect. Go there. How we eat it yeah. with consciousness, yeah. not while we're driving the car and, you know, multitasking, doing all these other things, not to eat before it's time to eat. And this is one of the biggest mistakes yeah. is that people are eating before their last meal has digested mm-hmm. and then the digestive system gets all confused about yep. what's coming in and what's going out and what am I supposed to be doing and in this way it strains the digestive system. So what's the ideal there? The ideal there is to, to put as much space in between meals as you can. Do you right? do one, two, three meals a day? What's the general <laughs> recommendation there? <laughs> they say, this is not me, this is they say, Okay. the, yog- the yogis say. If I get the story right, the person who eats once a day is a yogi. Hmm? The person who eats twice a day is a good practitioner. Hmm? The person who eats thrice a day is a common man. Hmm? And the person who eats four times a day is a dead man. <laughs> this is classic. I get this yeah. from all my teachers. Yeah. All the Indian teachers tell the same story. Yeah. You know, th- this idea of just eating out of habit. Yeah. You know, or snacking while you're doing something else. It doesn't give the digestive system time to work. Yeah. Right? It's like you're jumping in midway yeah. before something else has happened. Right? So to eat when the digestive fire is up. Yeah. You know, biggest meal in the middle of the day is good. Not to eat late at night, right before bed. Do your yoga practice before you eat. So many rules schmules are there. I, yeah. won't, I won't go on no. and on. But, you know, eating the right food at the right time. Yeah. Um, in the right way. In the right way, consciously, yeah. quietly, without distraction. Doing that, just changing how one eats. Yeah. Even if they didn't change the ingredients, would make a change yeah over time so all of this stuff is slowly 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 yeah over a long period of time you do something consistently it's gonna work yeah and there we also have a prayer that we do before meals with you mm-hmm. and which is in the yogic tradition um do you see that across mul- many spiritual traditions to bless your food is that yeah. part of yeah yeah 
And yeah. I feel like that's such an important piece to draw you there to the moment, to be there, to give that gratitude. And then you're actually ingesting this food with that sense. And it's it just, it's game changer. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so these can be things just to watch. Yeah. Again, without overhaul. Yeah. But watch. Oh, oh gosh, I was kind of unconsciously snacking while I was driving down the road or something like that. So little bits. Yeah. So when we eat, what we eat, appropriateness, how we use things, how we use ingredients. Mm -hmm. Um, So the food that we take in, then there's the water that we drink, Mm -hmm. the air that we breathe. Yeah. Sometimes we're in control of these things. Sometimes we're not. Yeah. The materials that we are surrounded with. Yeah. Okay. And the and uh, and most significantly the people. Yeah. That we hang out with. These all have impact. Yeah. So whatever we can do to create purity in relationship with other human beings, you know, it's not always possible, but when we can, we do. Yeah. Right. Maybe we're not in control over. We have to get on the airplane. You know, mm-hmm. you're not in control over who you're, who you're with, you know, the toxic environment, all these things. So, um, I'm going to jump to what can you do when you don't have this optimal setup? Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Please. Right. Cause sometimes I sit, feel like I'm sitting here, little miss princess in this <laughs> privileged position. And it's almost like I'm cheating. <laughs> I live in a pretty pure place and I built very consciously and kind of set it up. Yeah. Right? So a lot of that is just automatic around here. Yeah. Not that I don't take it, you know, that I don't have gratitude. I don't take no, it for granted, it. but it, it's here. But every once in a while, I have to get on an airplane. Yeah. What are you doing? I have to be in, in some god-awful meeting, you know, with angry people or, you know, whatever that situation is. So this is where we can jump to, okay, remedies. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. What do you do if you couldn't eat at the right times, you ate the wrong food, or uh-oh, eating mistake, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Okay. Easiest thing to do is skip your next meal. Okay. Just skip a meal. You don't have to fast for a week. Just, you know, mm-hmm. give your digestive system a rest and opportunity to clear. Cool. Period. Easy. Yep. Okay. What do you do um, after being on the airplane or whatever that is, mm-hmm. or any toxic environment? What we can all do is look to the elements. Five elements are there. The most purifying of the elements is water. Mm. So what do you do? If you have the opportunity, take a shower, Mm -hmm. take a bath before you go on to your next activity. You know, get off the plane, whatever it is, (laughs) go someplace. What if you don't have the opportunity to have a shower? I would take an, like, air bath literally standing in the wind standing in the wind yeah. so use the wind or if you can't take a full bath you take a bird bath in the sink yeah you know you find a sink and you yeah. you know yeah face hands feet yeah whatever and acknowledge that element that water is indeed purifying standing in the wind is purifying mm-hmm. okay fire is purifying all the lay down on some clean earth yeah connect with the earth these are remedies for being in situations that are not ideal. Yeah. And not hard to do. Yeah, certainly not. Five you just gotta be five minutes. Yeah. You know, we've all got, or one minute. Yeah. We can all find that. Yeah. What are some of the day-to-day things that you have applied to your own life that are some of the most 
potent ones. I mean, it doesn't have to be the most complex ones, but the ones that you will not let go of, that are like the essentials. What am I most attached to? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I'm looking for a short list. (laughs) Well, well, you know, they say, (laughs) as long as we're in a human body, we're going to have some attachments. Yeah. And if we're doing some sort of practice where we're progressing, our attachments will become more refined. Yeah. And, you know, better to have attachment maybe to your guru or your family or your practice than to something else that is not so helpful. Yeah. Right. So, um, wow. That was like a pop quiz for me. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I, I would say that that is how I start my day. Okay. That I get up before the sun. Mm-hmm. And do take care of my personal bodily functions. Yeah. Have my little bath, whatever it is. Then I come over here to the shala, mm-hmm. and I make an offering. And for me, that's that's my puja. That's taking care of mm-hmm. the gods and the goddesses and doing the arti and saying the chants um, that I do and the mantras that I do every single morning without fail. So I do all of that first. Then I would do my personal, if there's time left. (laughs) If I don't get carried away chanting, (laughs) then I would do my personal asana pranayama practice. Um, Make sure I get a shavasana Mm -hmm. so that I can face the rest of the day and be up for whatever's going to be on my plate because you never know. Yeah. And I think this is actually, it doesn't matter if we don't have the same type of practice as you or the same ritual as you. What's important here is that nurturing self-care and begin there. It's like they say on an airplane, you put the air mask thingy on yourself first. And then your child. Exactly. And, And this is where some of us are really in a hot seat right now. Yeah. To be on, to be on our game. Yeah. And like I said to you earlier, um, you know, forgive my English, but have your feet on the ground when the shit hits the fan. Yes. And that's by being nurtured. That's by feeding yourself and knowing that you take care of this will be able to then serve all the others. And so what happens with many of the techniques, the authentic yogic techniques, is they're actually very time-saving. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so if you take an extra hour or five minutes every day yeah. to, to do some of these practices, it's going to save you many hours later in the day because you're going to be clearer, you're going to work more efficiently, you're going to need less sleep, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because the body and everything is working more efficiently. Yeah. So it's generally worth taking the time to do that. That's a mm-hmm. big component it's because a that's, big, that's usually yeah. an argument people have. And I mean, I we've all know. been oh, I have against time. that. I have enough time. Totally. So doing something for five minutes counts. Yeah. So people who have had exposure, been taught these long, elaborate yoga asana programs or long pranayama programs or these things that could go on for hours. Sometimes make an assumption that, well, oh gosh, I don't have two hours, so I don't have time to practice, <laughs> right? And go out the door and have a cup of coffee instead. Where really, if we just took five minutes and did some of that, yeah. 
it actually works. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, no doubt. It really does. Yeah. And I got to say, on a, on a personal note, you know, in in some circles, I have this reputation as being this like Ashtanga yoga asana rock star, you know, within the asana world and all of that. Well, you know, that's that's way behind me. <laughs> I did that for a while back when I was your age. Yeah. <laughs> I did that stuff. Yeah, you know, and I don't need to do all that anymore. No. You know, it served its purpose. I got to spend a lot of time in India with Guruji and doing and that was great, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm a householder now. I have a community to take care of. Yeah. I'm old and broken and postmenopausal and, you know, accidents and injuries and, you know, it's like, no, you don't have to have a rock star, you know, circus practice. Yeah. Five, ten minutes a day. Yeah. You know, in Ashtanga Yoga, it could be five minutes of simply practicing breath, bandhas, drishti, and some micro vinyasa. That's it. Five minutes. You got it. It's cool. a package. Cool. We have your permission. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know we do. But yeah. <laughs> we all just need to give ourselves permission. Yeah. And what you were doing at, when you were our age and you had that elaborate practice, what's, what's the golden thread to who and where you are today is that you showed up with your full presence. And that is what you are holding now too, in terms of your practice, like you're saying, it doesn't matter if it's a long thing, it's that you're doing it, how you're doing it, with the devotion, with the conscious presence, really. Well, yeah, and, and so here's a test for you, Hansel. <laughs> Uh-oh. What's, what's the three-syllable Sanskrit word for that consistency of practice, for that showing up and doing it? It's in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Abhyasa, continuity. Yeah. Consistency yeah. over a long period of time with devotion. Yep. That applies to any practice. Yeah. You're learning to ride a bicycle. You're learning to play yeah. the violin. You're totally. learning a language. You do a little bit every day. Yep. Right? And you're going to get somewhere. Yep. So I think we all need to give ourselves a break. Especially now. Yeah. Take five. Take ten. Yep. You know, nurture ourselves. Do, yep. You know, be in nature for a little bit. Whatever it is we can do, um, I don't. I don't buy it that there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. You know, I just don't buy that. I don't buy. Oh well, I can't practice because I broke my arm. Mm-hmm. I don't buy it. Yeah. You know, as long as we can breathe, we can practice. Um, as long as we have basic functionality. Yeah. We can make some choices and you know spend a few moments every day. Yeah. And that's the same thing there, even if you don't have that yoga practice and you don't have a setup of anything, you can sit in your garden and pay that attention to your breath. You can do it in your home, on your couch, if you're just, you know, properly sitting with an erect spine and being present, being alert, but yet relaxed. And it doesn't have to be in the yoga studio and in and yoga clothes or on a fancy th- yoga mat yeah. and everything else. <laughs> no, so it's nothing not- is required. Yes. You need to show up and be able to breathe. Yeah. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, sunrise, sunset, bookend the day. Yeah. Fine, fine. Enough. Yeah. You know, for those who, who aren't householders and don't have so many other responsibilities, fine. If you have time for longer practices, take it. Yeah. You know, the world needs that too. Well, it does. And, and the world is benefiting from those practitioners who are going into solitude. Yeah. And practicing. Yeah. 
You know, these are not the householders who are going into denial and yeah. fear, but there are many serious practitioners who have taken this opportunity yeah. you know, to really go inside and really be quiet, the serious meditators. Yeah. Um, and we are all benefiting from that. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're all affected by what each other does. Yeah, but I think that is a beautiful segue also then into when people are struggling to give themselves the self-care that they know that they need or that they used to have this self-care practice and they've now fallen off that uh, track. You're not doing it just for you. You're doing it for everyone around you, every living thing around you. And I think that's an important component to remember as well, because when you have that bigger picture and that purpose, then it's a lot easier to spend those five, 10 minutes. Yeah. And yeah. Cause we are all connected. Totally. You know, it's, it's true. And even, um, those who live, who are single and live in a single one person unit yeah. household, what we do still affects. Oh, certainly. Everything, everyone. Yeah. So yeah. whatever little bits we can do basically. Yeah. You know, and, and what, what Babaji said, you know, Herkan Babaji said, you, you live in truth, simplicity, and love. Beautiful. Just truth, live simplicity, simplicity, and love. Part of the yoga sutras of Patanjali and the yep. eight limbs. Yep. Truth, simplicity, love. How hard is that? Yeah. Right? It's not rocket science, but it's not always easy to do. So no. little bits. Yeah. Little bits. I feel like we've covered a lot, and this is just... A wonderful conversation. I'm just very grateful that we take the time. Well, and it's it's the tip of the iceberg, really. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's everything. Yes. It's everything. You know, these basic principles yeah. of how energy flows. Yeah. Um, how the human system is unique this way mm. in carrying these energies mm. and honoring that. And honoring our humanity. Yeah. And, and not taking that as an insult. You know, it's an honor to be a human being. And sometimes it might feel like a blessing and other times it might feel like a curse. Mm-hmm. But as long as we're in human body, there is opportunity yeah. to experience the bliss of the divine. Mm-hmm. The opportunity is there. When that moment will happen, we don't know. Yeah. It's like the fruit. When, what exact day or moment will that fruit be exactly ripe? We don't know. All we can do is prepare the soil and exactly. nurture it with water. Exactly. And so we keep doing that. Yeah. And we just keep doing that. We keep doing that. Yeah. And not- so there's another little cycle that I'd, I'd like to mention. Yeah. And again, this isn't, directly out of the Vedas or anything, but this is like observation of how things flow. Mm -hmm. So when abhyasa is there, consistency is there. You do something consistently over a period of time. This cultivates something called shraddha. Yes. Faith. Yes. Okay. Faith is a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So then... When you've done something consistently over a long period of time and, and you have faith with that, yeah. ultimately that spawns gratitude. Yes. So gratitude then, right, 
getting more and more established, that will result in seva. Which is service. Service, yeah. Offering. Yeah. So that everything we do becomes an offering. Yeah. So not that we're not nurturing ourselves and not that we're not receiving, but if we can take every action that we do as an offering. Yeah. Goodness, if the world could live that way. Okay, you know, you, you listen to that little paragraph and it's not rocket science. Yeah. But it's also not happening <laughs> yeah. to, to a large extent, um, largely to when we are. So we need to accept that and frame that. Yeah. We are living in the Kali Yuga. We are living in a time of raging Tamas energy mm-hmm. and Rajasic energy. And it's going to take a little bit of extra credit to find that lightness. Yeah. To find that softness and that peace and that love. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't need to be a major overhaul. A yeah. little extra credit. A little here, a little there. Slowly, slowly. Yeah. As Guruji said, all is coming. Yeah. You know, we, it's, our, it's our birthright. And we also have to give our hearts for it. We've got to show up. Like gotta saying. show up. Yeah. Gotta show up. But I'm glad you brought up that Shraddha and the conviction because that is really what I feel fuels the next few steps. It fuels that gratitude, like you're saying. And from that gratitude, once that becomes, I don't want to say automatic because it's nothing we're taking for, we're not taking life for granted or the gifts in life, but it's just easier to access. It's, I, it's one of the noble qualities that appears in human beings. Yeah. You know, that is to be cultivated, to be nurtured, and becomes a little bit more inbuilt. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not as habit or mechanical, but yeah, it presents itself. That also can spill over onto others. So even at that stage, when there's that gratitude, that has ripple effects. And then you go into the offering mode or seva. It, doesn't, it can be at a shrine. It can be to a deity, but it can also be to your fellow human being. It's yeah. these acts of kindness and showing up and being there. And you have your phone ring a lot when people are losing their foothold right now. And a lot of us are in that, in that service position. And unless we have that level of self-care, we're not going to be able to maintain that. And exactly. I think it's... it's I love how you show the full spectrum there because we're not doing our self-care practice for us. It's so that we can serve. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. Everyone. All of us. Yeah, so. absolutely. Okay, then. <laughs> I guess the only other thing that I had, I guess it's like rewinding back to on the physical level, but if people want a tangible tool, what they can do to bring more sattva energy into their lives, um, on the physical plane. When Yoshi and I got together, we eliminated all of the music in our playlist that brought back memories or made, brought up emotions or anything like that. And it was a tangible thing that we did to eliminate or make more distance between mm-hmm. us and those memories. So we could really look at them for what they were instead of them a song coming on and instantly we're in that Trigger. emotional swirl. Yeah, totally. And that's just something that I wanted to recommend in this context because it literally changed the tone of my voice in my mind. Mm. And it was, it was, yeah, it, it worked for us. And but, yeah, we don't want to nuke the things in our life 
that provoke good memories. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, another topic. Yeah. Should you stop me now? No, 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 no. Please. Smriti vritti. Okay. Okay. The, there's one of the parts of our mind when the mind is active. One of the places it can be is in memory. Yep. So if we're remembering stuff that's going to drag us down the sewer, mm. it's not so helpful. Yeah. However, you've experienced this, Hansa, mm-hmm. when I start telling stories about my guru, <laughs> right? Yep. And I'm remembering. Yep. I'm remembering. I'm going back in time to this precious, precious time and place. Yeah. And I get a cellular experience of being there. In a very good space. Cool. Or that practice that we had or that experience that we had that was blow-minding in Mm -hmm. a good way. Mm -hmm. We had that aha thing. Yeah. Recalling that can be very helpful. Yeah. So it's like discrimination in what we are recalling. Yeah. But discrimination in a larger scale, what you're speaking about is like, getting rid of stuff that is not serving us anymore totally and that can be yeah that can be be simply cleaning out your closet exactly that's kind of what i wanted to get to reorganize your saris (laughs) (laughs) take the stuff to the free box or whatever it is and and this is one of the helpful aspects of Thomas energy is yeah. this clearing out. Yeah. You're making space. You're Clean getting your house. Clear out the closets. You know, give yeah. stuff that you're not using. Give it away to somebody who can use it. Mm-hmm. I think discrimination is one of the keywords here also because everything we've talked about from being in Sangha with like-minded people, eating the right things, it's to apply that oomph of discrimination and looking at your life without judgment and just taking away certain things that don't serve you you don't have to eliminate all the foods that don't serve you but go bit by bit and i think that discrimination is something that we also will through yogic practices cultivate but well in discrimination in you know they say that there are like three parts to the human system Mm -hmm. this this threefold thing this has to do with patanjali and all kinds of other stuff but we have the body we have the mind, and we have our five sense organs. Mm-hmm. One of those sense organs is our mouth mm-hmm. and our tongue and our capacity for speech. Mm-hmm. Speech is huge. Thank you for so bringing that up. So if we can be discriminating in our speech and maybe take a microsecond and determine, is this conversation going to be useful yeah if I go on talking in a negative way about so-and-so or such-and-such and and situations and there's so much negative material to talk about today Mm -hmm. you know it's endless yeah you know to just before we have a conversation or spend too much time on something yeah is this going to be helpful yeah will it serve any purpose yeah and if not maybe just zip the lips and not say it exactly no or when we might have this little feeling, this little inkling to say something that might be helpful and then we get shy. <laughs> <laughs> to do it anyway. Yeah. This is another one of these noble qualities of human beings. It's yeah. straightforwardness. Yeah. You know, being honest, being open, having the communications that are helpful. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I love how you brought that up because it's really thought, word, action. It does have that ripple effect. And even if you don't see it in the person receiving it, it might drag them down. It might, there's so much to that. There's incredible amount of hurt we can do just with a thought or a word. Yeah, and there's an incredible amount of help and goodness we can do as well. Exactly. And to be on the lookout for those little windows of opportunity. Yeah. With everyone. Yeah. Not just with special people. Yeah. You know? That's important. With everyone, with all human beings, with, you know, even with that person who seems like, wow, their negative, their negative energy is really dragging me down. Mm. You know, we have choices. Yeah. We can stay away from that. We can step up and maybe offer something helpful to that situation, bring it love, bring it light. Yep. And then that's all. Yeah, you go home and you shower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or take a dip in North Crescent Creek. Have your holy bath. Yeah, no doubt. You know, find your local holy body of water. Yeah. And uh, purify. Yeah. And rejuvenate. Yeah. Oh, Annie, thank you so much. Oh, Hansa, <laughs> this has been so fun. You know, I hate doing these things. I know, and I'm so you grateful. Know, oh my like, gosh, yeah. how, much, how, many, how many podcasts and YouTubes are out there, Annie Pace? Yeah. No, yeah. I know. No, I don't, so. But thank you for doing this, because right now is when the world needs it, and you have a lot of good, tangible tools that you've applied in your life that obviously have an effect. And... For people that have not been here, felt it, seen it, this is at a crucial time. So I'm really yeah. grateful that you are spending a moment and, and sharing from your heart like you are because it's very valuable for so many people. So thank you. Okay, well, thank you. Just to wrap this up, I want the listeners to know how to get a hold of you, how to get engaged with you and Shakti Sharanam, and if they want to learn more, where do they go? Please give us the lowdown. Okay, so I can tell you what I'm not doing. (laughs) No, I'm not teaching any Zoom classes. (laughs) Um, Yes, Shakti Sharanam is open for live instruction on a private and semi-private basis. Um, To get hooked up with any of that, you would, on your rotary dial, dial... 719-256-5668. Um, the website has more information. Um, and the website is shaktasharanam.com or anniepace.com. Either one, same thing. has lots of information on there. Um, I'm also available for phone consultation. Um, that's, that's about it. That's Mostly great. just call. Yeah, exactly. And I'll put all this information in the show notes. It's accessible there as well. Well, and also things will be changing. Yeah. You know, with... with situation and what is allowed and what is not allowed yeah so always calling is best yeah perfect see the current cool live updates from mm. shock to Charlotte. <laughs> which we love stay tuned <laughs> cool
So that was our first conversation with Annie Pace. I'm already going to spill the beans that we have another episode recorded on the topic of home practice. So stay tuned for that if you like this first conversation and if home practice is something that you're cultivating or nurturing or want to have infused with some inspiration from Annie Pace. But about today's conversation, take 1% of this information and apply what you can. That's the most important part. Any little bit, take it. It's a gift. And as Annie would say, the little bits can be way more potent than we realize. So I want to leave you with that. Marinate in what you've heard today, apply what you can, and watch the ripple effects that it will have in your life. The Vichara Podcast is a completely donation-based initiative. If you liked what you heard today, you can support us by one, donating to the cause of creating more content, two, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts and also leave a review the reviews are super helpful and spreading the word through social media tagging posting all of that stuff really helps to spread the word the way the algorithms works these days it's really through you guys and the network that more people get to hear about it and that's really what this is all about is just sharing the teachings um so please share it and review it and yeah until next time Om Tat Sat.